Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Noel John Tui. And this is MDK Presents, Don Shanahan. Don, tell the folks who you are and what you do. My name is Don Shanahan. By day, I'm an American school teacher in Chicago. By night, I, that makes me sound like a vampire, my bad. By <laughs> night, I'm a press credentialed Rotten Tomatoes approved film critic. Boo. <laughs> uh, I know. Just let me enjoy things. Uh, right. Why'd you rate my favorite thing so poorly? <laughs> it's not rotten. It's not rotten. Not yeah. rotten. How dare you? It's fresh, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> so, Don, me and you met a couple of years ago. We both worked 25YL, writing movie reviews, kicking ass, doing what we do, you know, writing columns, mm-hmm. whatever. But, um, like, that, like, that's how I got into writing reviews. But how did you get into writing reviews? Oh, man. Um, here, like all the way back to beginning, beginning. All right. So mm. I got into movies when I was 16, 17 years old to get over a girl because that's what boys do, you know? Well, we're, it's we're exactly just, what boys do. That's right. So first, first girlfriend, first hard breakup. What are you going to do? Like, I need, I need something to take my mind off this. So I started going to the movies. That was like the summer of 1996. And uh, that was like Twister and Independence Day and that wild and crazy summer. Mm. And I and, and um, it's hot around where I'm at. So like that was like an air conditioned vacation was two hours at a movie. Right. Yeah. So I started to get really into movies. I, I you know, I watched movies a little bit as a as a kid, like like everybody does. But like it really kind of capped off at, at Disney and basic stuff. I I never really dove deep into anything or I, I, my parents aren't big movie people. Even today, they're like. I don't get the movie stuff you do, Don. What do you do? <laughs> like, they don't understand. You're an educator, Don. What's with the movie right. stuff? <laughs> yeah, you do, you do that movie thing at night. What? <laughs> what? They don't get it at all. Yeah. So I can show them websites with my face and name. They're like, "What? No, <laughs> you're a teacher, but, uh, Don. You don't belong in these places." Right. <laughs> so I um. By the time I started watching a lot of movies, I started kind of thinking about him, talking about him with other people. And um, my high school journalism teacher said, Don, you should write the movie review piece for the school paper. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I did that for like two years of like high school classes. Uh, and then um, when I went to undergraduate college to be a school teacher, I did school newspaper on the side. And I was at the movies with Don uh, mm-hmm. for, four, for four years of college. And did the whole, you know, kind of became the the resident movie dork that everybody has in their little social <laughs> circle at school, where uh, if people needed to borrow, I always had like the biggest movie collection, and it was like VHS. So um, <laughs> people would come to my my dorm room and like, Don, man, I need a movie tonight. Like, oh yeah, sure, come on right over, you know. Or I um at the time, of course, I worked at a video store during college for a couple of years. Where, Obviously, of course, <laughs> where um I that was my sponge moment. Where not only was it cool working there, but then I started to like go through the shelves and find old things I've always heard about and like fill in like the backlog of like, cause I was good nineties and current, but like, I didn't know my classics. Yeah. So I started to pick a lot of that up. Uh, but yeah. And then the other cool thing was um, uh, working at the video store, the new releases that normally come out around here Tuesday was always new release day in the States where the new movie would hit. Yeah. And back in the day, we all remember where it took like six months or a year between <laughs> when a movie hit theaters and then finally hit video. Yeah. I would always get them like on Friday, like early, they would give us workers the preview copies before they hit the shelves Tuesday. Cause they, the, our boss is like, well, we want you to be familiar with the things you're advertising to your people. And I'm like, I'm just going to take these and show them to my friends. And they're like, cause they're going to be like, how the fuck did you get that so early? You know, like, it's not even out yet. I'm like, guys, guys, I got the hookup. Yeah. So I, I do I, what I, I do. Right. So as the movie hookup guy for four years of college, I was that guy. And then, um, then I graduated and I, I kind of had to grow up. 
Uh, I, you know, I, I know. <laughs> so there, um, this is all, I graduated college in 2001. Uh, that's, you know, well before social media, well before blogging and writing or anything like that was out there for people to do. And yeah, I, I was a school teacher and did this teacher thing. I still watch movies like a fan, but I totally didn't write or do anything creative with it. Um, I finally found, or people found, I found Facebook around 2009. Yeah. Um, and, and then, yeah, kind of reconnected. I think when most people find Facebook, they found it through their high school and college classmates. Like that's where Facebook kind of started. And that's how I got into it. And a bunch of friends who had, who I had not seen for, you know, eight, nine, 10 years are like, Don, man, how you doing? You know? And Hey, are you still kind of a movie guy? I'm like, yeah, I see movies a ton and all that. They're like, man, I miss your writing. You were always so good at it. You should start a blog. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck's a blog? <laughs> oh, it's this thing where you make a little website and you just share your opinions on shit like, like chefs and cooking and moms. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um, I said, well, I said, I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, that'd be kind of fun to put you know, thoughts and movies down and how, what that could look like. And by that point, I was a teacher for like, you know, seven, eight years. And I, I kind of had that lens to my to my thoughts, my thinking, and I wanted to do something that kind of could stand out. Uh, so like, cause I didn't want to sound like everybody else. Like I didn't want to be at the movies with Don again, where it's just another cisgender white male talking about movies. Yeah. So uh, I said, you know what, let me combine my, my teacher lens with it. So my blog was, and it's still going is uh, it's called every movie has a lesson. Yeah. And what I would do is I would review movies, but kind of with a teacher's eye with the idea that every movie can teach something you know and sometimes that's uh serious lessons sometimes that's sarcastic lessons yeah so like sometimes you watch a horror movie you're like hey don't go down the hallway by yourself <laughs> yeah. and i would i would kind of take those little asides in my reviews and be like at the same time i was critiquing the movie or summarizing it i would kind of pause and go lesson number one you know don't go down the hallway lesson number two yeah. don't go after the person down the hallway like, <laughs> oh. it, it, it so it was like serious and farcical at the same time. And that was kind of my little hook was to do something a little different like that. And that kind of uh, evolved quickly where uh, I found places to get published farther. I started to write for examiner.com in like 2010, 2011. And that was like an online newspaper. They tried to be kind of regionally based. Uh, that lasted about five years. And then the whole site just inexplicably closed. Uh, but for a while there, I was the Chicago film examiner, or at least, or a Chicago film examiner for that site. And that gave me, that was a big enough site in terms of readership where I started to get to press things or get emailed about things or run into certain people or find different screenings to go to, uh, where it was always like as a fan, but not really as a press person. And then I started to meet people who are like, oh, you should talk to this guy. He writes reviews all the time. I'm like, yeah, sure. So in here in Chicago, this is kind of the the cradle of Siskel and Ebert, who I grew up watching and, and all that. And those people who run his site and, and at the time he was still alive, at least Ebert was. Boo. I know. <laughs> but uh, but I started to run into kind of those folks who are who are now my peers, like those those press people who were like, oh, this is so and so he writes for this or oh, look over there. That's Roger Ebert watching a movie and and that kind of thing where I started to inch closer to that. And I started to kind of pick their brains like, hey, how do you. You know, how do you do this more full time or more at a level? And they're like, oh, you, you got to get on this list. And I'm like, oh, what's, what do you mean the list? Like now I'm making a Schindler's list. I'm going to say the Holocaust or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And uh, what they meant was like, there's um there's PR firms that kind of run all the things, you know, in, yeah. in our given cities. And they're like, hey, yeah, here's the person's contact for this and tell them what you do. Kind of give them your tail of the tape like a boxer and say, 
you'd like to kind of be on considered for the press list. So by that point, that was about like 2015 where I kind of, yeah, I knocked on the door and got accepted into being considered for all those press opportunities here in the city. And uh, I was still kind of low, you know, I'm not like, you know, I'm not Roger Ebert. So I'm still kind of a mom blogger, you know, more than anything with this little teacher who writes this website. Not yeah, as big as Roger, but also less dead. So yeah, correct. And also you got I, better taste. He didn't like the thing. Yeah. He can suck he a dick. Like mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I only he couldn't him. suck a dick. Because so. <laughs> he's, he's a corpse. Oh yeah. He lost his jaw. So <laughs> I met him. I only met him once. Uh, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It was uh, a different story, different day, but like, uh, I was going to a screening that I got just completely accidentally. Like, uh, you know, it was uh, for the Narnia movie, the uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Mm. And I was running late. My wife got to go. And it was like the first time I've ever been to like a press screening, an early screening. And for like for press, like I had to go there and be like, hey, I'm Don from Examiner. And they're like, oh, well, right this way. And like, not really, but they were like, yep, okay, good. Go in there, number seven, you know. And uh, I'm it, the movie had already started. I get in there late, and I'm just and it's dark, and I I'm I can't find where I'm. I just find the first two open seats I can find. I don't know who's next to me on either side, but I saved a seat for my wife. So my wife comes in. She's like, and she's like, "Hey, I met Roger Ebert's wife in the lobby." The, the, she's like, "He's probably in here somewhere." So I look over to my right, look over to my left, and seriously, in the seat next to me <laughs> is Roger Ebert. I no. sat. I sat in his personal space, not realizing how late I was. <laughs> and uh, at that point of his life, he had he had lost his ability to speak. Yeah, I had the jaw thing, had the scarf all up, and all that. Um, but it was, it, yeah, it was like, and of course, you don't get to like shoot the shit with him after the movie. But it was kind of cool to be like, what? Look at that guy. Just the presence of him yeah. being there. But um, but but uh, so getting on that press list was the difference where. Uh, I just wrote more. Uh, I started to cover more things because I had more access to things. And um, about three years ago, by that point, then Rotten Tomatoes kind of expanded what they used to do for critics, where they were pretty tight for a long time, where you had to be in a pretty vetted publication or, um, you know, you had to have massive readership and all that, where um, uh, and I also by that point, I started to kind of knock on the door into some critics organizations, because once you kind of that was kind of a, a a shoots and ladders shortcut to getting on Rotten Tomatoes was if you're in a recognized press group, you can be considered on Rotten Tomatoes, even if your site's not big enough. Yeah. So I was in the online film critic society at that point. Um, I was in another little second Chicago group by that point. And then once I got on Rotten Tomatoes, that, that was kind of like a bucket list thing where, yeah, you would have told me 10 years before then when I was the, the, the teacher starting a mom blog, hey, you're <laughs> in Rotten Tomatoes someday. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, once I once I'm there, I started to find other places to kind of get noticed and get right and write. And it's been 25 well for about yeah. it'd be three years here in June, where that's been huge for me because my little blog does fine. Like I probably get uh in a good month, like 18,000 views, which is pretty good for a dude just writing. Yeah. Uh, but but the 25 well gets you know 160 to 200 thousand people reading and seeing your stuff and that has been just the jetpack for me where now that i write for a site that big mm. um then it's like you know critics choice association hollywood critics association like big national amazing groups or the studios now notice and, and want more things from you because uh you know you write for a, le a legit site not just another you know another blogger yeah and all along the way thanks to you know editing and people like well honestly people like you Vinny, like just I, my work's gotten tighter my work's gotten better um it, it's it's gotten to the point where yeah it's it's 
uh, I, I'm at a comfortable place of nice middle ground where um, I'm still, you know, I'm still a teacher. I'm still a dad. I'm not trying to do this freelance for money at all. Yeah. Like this is, this all is all free. I don't, I don't get paid on any of this stuff and I'm fine with that. I, I know some people wouldn't do that. Would, wouldn't, would want this for like, want this for their jobs, want this as yeah. a full-time thing. I know there's no money in it. So I'm just happy to kind of do it on the side and, and, and do it well. Get the goodies and get the experiences. Yeah. Oh, and, and, the like good, yeah. and that's the thing for me is like just being there, just seeing these movies, even just the idea of seeing the movies for free and yeah. early. That's perk enough. You know, um, I've gotten to the point where like Netflix pays for my Netflix six months at a time. They send me a voucher code <laughs> and there's six months of Netflix. I'm like, that's perk enough. That saves yeah. me whatever money that is. So yeah, I, um, I've also, now that I'm on 25 well on a big site, I've reached a point where I don't have to super duper review everything. Like I was, I was a hungrier person five years ago where I, I had to like beg to get into things. Now I don't have to beg to get into anything and I can kind of coast a little bit, like yeah. be consistent, do good work, but I don't have to cover every little thing in the whole wide world. So that's kind of been nice is to just reach a secure, easy, place and so that's how it got me there yeah no, you, is that everything that's happened in your life like every single thing, <laughs> every everything, single thing up till now is everything what is that everything that's happened in your life up till now oh like my god well in, in between there it was getting in, in between there it was getting divorced getting married having two kids i i've changed full-time teaching jobs five times in the last 12 years so tried to kill the superman a few times. <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a topsy-turvy thing where yeah like the last three years have felt like the first time it's a secure bit of cruise control where the that's movie awesome. thing that, is easy that, that's cool that's yeah cool. the movie thing is easy the career thing is stable the kids are growing up where they're not babies and it's not diapers and horrible you, stuff and do you find... worked hard enough for it to be a bit easier oh, you know what i mean yeah, you know when you're putting your hours it's not like you coast it to yeah. here and continue to coast right right you put yeah. in you, you yeah you put that's it that's what everyone should work towards right everyone should work towards a plateau where they love what they're doing and they're doing what they love that's the thing like i think that one of the goals i've had is never make this feel like work if you if you can try like that's exactly don't get me yeah. wrong i mean Vinny knows this and you know you both know this like there's deadlines there's stuff to do and you get hmm. requests to do this and requests to do that every now and then but like i've luckily i've never walked out of review going oh crap i'm stuck doing that review it so feels like work and it's always still been fun um but i meet a lot that's of awesome. people who but I meet a lot of people who are those grinders who who are trying to freelance and do it full time where that's work. Yeah. You know, and they they it's a grind and you can see it grade them and and, hum, yeah. and whittle them down. And they're the those are the uh, the cynical, disillusioned, beaten up critics that I <laughs> that I see down the row who are like just assholes because they just see too much and it doesn't nothing ever sticks and they don't care. Do, do you and think I, I it's a case of like as you evolved as uh, not just a critic, but in terms of your reputation in the critic space that you've now allowed yourself or the opportunities have allowed you, as you mentioned, to be a little bit more picky about the movies yeah. you go see. And because you're being a bit more picky and choosy, you're going to see things that actually kind of resonate with you from the outset, things that catch your eye. So you're yeah. going into films now that you're kind of like not that you're uh, going to enjoy nonetheless, but like movies that you're going to have an appreciation for going into so a lot of the times it doesn't feel like work is what you're saying yeah. that like now that you found this comfortable space that you're operating in that it feels more like kind of like pleasure and work have become one thing totally yeah totally uh, i um and some of that is big stuff and little stuff like i get pitched things 
mm. all the time. Like um, the smaller little indie labels that do films or even just like, I'll get people who do like the contact me page on my website and Hey, I have a student film from this college. <laughs> love to, I, mean, I hear you're a critic and you're a school teacher. I'd love to have you see it. And if the, and uh, it's a, at that point, it's all about the kind of the, the premise of the movie where um, I'm not a big horror guy. So I, I stay out a lot of that stuff, but like, <laughs> I know, I know I have to learn. I, I got to get my palate better. I have to become a, a scotch whiskey drinker instead of a Tennessee whiskey drinker. <laughs> no, um, but no, like I'll, like here, I'll take this week. Like there's that Sandra Bullock, uh, Channing Tatum movie. What is it? The Lost City. Yeah. Coming out soon. Like that's one. I'm like, you know what? I don't need to see it. I don't have to see it. I can maybe skip that. But then there's like a little, one of these little pitches. Some little indie director came to me like, you know, um, I think it's a Chicago one. And he's like, got a little film that has no distribution. He's just trying to get it into festivals. And he's like, you know, a review from somebody who's done stuff would really help us out. And I'm like, you know what? I'd be happy to see your film. So yeah. yeah, those opportunities are definitely pointed with the arrow of more pleasure over work. And I'm cool with that, both little and big, you know, like it doesn't always have to be, you know, I'm just here to see the Batman guys because it's the big movie, but then yeah. no, maybe I'll go see some little film. And I think by, by being open enough to do the little stuff and the big stuff, I, I think it keeps my cred up a little bit because I think a lot of people who get to this plateau that I'm at, they just see, the things that are handed to them and big stuff only they forget their roots they forget like the little indie stuff that got you there and got us there yeah. and i i still cover that stuff and i like that stuff yeah you always have to remember you're a nobody from nowhere yeah. <laughs> that's why i always say it's nowhere yeah. i think <laughs> the other thing is the other thing is i'm not trying to chase anybody's spot or job like I, a lot of and same thing with chicago it's big city like i said it's the cradle of roger ebert all that mm -hmm. That whole flagship still operates here where there's a lot of people who just want that big byline, want that yeah. big spot and, you know, are, are just bite, scrap and steal to get published or get noticed. And I'm not, I'm just like, I've got that, like, I, yeah, just the critic stuff, the associations are there for me. The Rotten Tomatoes is there for me. My own site is fine. And then 25 well is great where I'm not trying to get on television. I'm not trying to go further. Like, yeah, my my ladder climbing is comfortable. I but I know people who are just like, how how do you how are you happy right now? I'm like, how how am I not happy? <laughs> I'm not missing my family or missing my career, and I get all the things you get without biting, scratching, and stealing like you are for it. Yeah. So they're like, Don, you make it look easy, and then, I'm like, well, I just make my life work where it does. The other thing that kind of goes to your question is, now I've been doing this long enough where I can kind of in a way, give back. Like there's a lot of young critics coming up and uh, yeah. I'll be in critics groups where we recruit a lot of little rookies and people like that. And um, yeah, it's like, I I'll know enough people or have enough connections or have been doing this long enough time where the people will come to me like, Hey Don, I, I, how do I get into this? How do I get into that? And I'll help them get in. And pay forward, so I've, I've become the veteran, you know, and I love doing that part. So. Yeah, because when I was writing with 25 Well, like I, you sent me links and stuff on how to improve as well, writing reviews and how to kind of do short, snappy reviews. Because like uh, I kind of got caught in between that space where, you know, a lot with 25 Well, we do a lot of think pieces. We do a lot of movie yeah. essays. So there's a yeah. big difference um, when you have to write like a thousand word review and get really to the point than when you're writing a, a think piece where you're really dissecting a movie. Yeah. And like it's stuff like that, like it's like when I was coming up and you sent me link, links like that. And when I started 25, 
very well. They help to no end because like just to have the idea of a direction to go in, because a lot of times people are walking blindly into these new careers or these new passions. And if you have a direction from someone that's more experienced like you, like it, it fucking helps so much, like shit like that really does help. So like, like hearing that you're actually out there helping up the new critics coming up, like that's fucking, yeah. that's some cool shit. Like, you know? Yeah. I, and that's the thing. I had critics above me help. You know, like when I was first coming up, they're like, you know, Don, you know, I had, um, there's a gray bearded veteran here in the, in the city. His name is Dan Geyer. I'll name shout out Dan Geyer. He writes for the daily Herald. He's been doing this like 35 years. And, uh, I was kind of, he, he's a, uh, a college professor on the same time that he's a film critic or he's kind of semi-retired now, but he kind of does all that stuff. And I, um, he, he liked my work. He, I enjoyed meeting him like just in person, all that. He's like, Hey, send me one of your reviews sometime. I'd love to see what you write Don. And I, I said, well, if I do, can you give me some, some tips and critiques? And yeah, he eviscerated what I wrote, <laughs> but, uh, but in a good way of like, Hey, let me break you down and build you back up. Like, you know, point your arrow here, or change this to here, or be mindful about this or don't use that. And uh, those, those pieces of advice for a couple of months there stuck with me and has improved my work from there. And, and then, yeah, now I'm, you're right. I'm at that point where I'll end up being an example to somebody like um, just the other day at 25. Well, we're trying to get some new writer up and going and um, the person turned in their review and it was very I, me, my, like a lot of first person, like, Oh, I like this. I like that. And it sounds yeah. like a cute little kid talking about a movie <laughs> and their editor and the editor is like, Hey, this isn't really kind of up to snuff, but uh, work on it and come back to it. And, he's, and the writer is like, well, what am I missing? He's like, well, go read one of Don's reviews. And I'm like, that's the coolest compliment I can get right now is that it, two things. One, I can be an example. And then two, uh, when an editor likes, like, wouldn't even like when an editor says, man, you writing about that movie made me want to see it. I'm like, I said, that's cool. I, I know I can hook fans and buddies and colleagues, but when I can hook an editor into wanting to want to watch a movie, mm. then I know I'm doing all right. Yeah, I, I, I did that a couple of times too, where like, like uh, at the start, I, I got eviscerated, as you said, like by editors. And yeah. that, that's the best thing for you, though. Like, constructive criticism. If you can take it. If you can yeah. take it. Like, and I, if it's constructive. Yeah. yeah. So there's oh, actually like 25 yeah, well give you great constructive criticism. Like, like uh, Cameron, even though me and him yep. butted heads more than one occasion, he made me a far superior writer than I was when I started there. Matt Armitage as well. Yep. Like, he that's, got. That's um, tough. Yeah, Laura Stewart yeah. as well. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's great. She's a great kind of like gentle hand. She's like great. Like, yeah. she's like, she's great at telling you you fucked up, but in the most polite way possible. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And they have that excellent balance. I mean, you get a, a good editor, it really can develop you as a writer, though. It really can. Like, I was like, at first, it hurts. You get butt hurt yeah. so much. When somebody's tearing you down <sighs> and you're not used to it, it hurts so much. First yeah. 10 times, it hurts. You, then you grow a little numb to it and then you mm-hmm. can get better. <laughs> and that's what I find, like, you know. But Noel's right. I've, um, it's weird right now because we're like you said, working at 25. Well, we got a bit of a revolving door where, yeah, I'm steady on there, but there's always extra people trying to kind of get that spot. And the cool part about 25. Well, is it's really open. Like if you want to come right there and you got a good idea, they'll take your pitch and they'll, they'll have you. Mm. But, um, but I meet, I'm with like what Noel said, I meet a lot of young people who, who can't take it and they quit or, or they're just whatever weird little ego and arrogance they have to be like, well, what I wrote is great and it's mine and it's fine. And like the, and then some other second opinions they'll get will be like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're a great hot take artist, but no, it's not, it's not this level of this. You're not examining and critiquing to what we're looking for at this Mm -hmm. site, or even just what is considered professional and decent, not even on this site. Mm -hmm. And I mean, a lot of critics who can't can't take it and And all they do then is they they kind of miss a shot at doing something better and improving and they never get higher than a letterboxed user who just has hot takes and a YouTube channel. 
you know yeah they're they're they'll never get a real gig or spot because they they they're not willing to work to improve yeah and and that's a I hate to be the old person that says it's a young millennial problem, but I feel like it's a young millennial problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just think when it comes to writing, especially something that's um, so continuous as articles yeah. or columns or movies, you have to get into that grinding attitude. Like, mm-hmm. it, like when I started 25 way, like, you know, I wanted to write as often and as much as possible because that's right. the only way you can get better. And it's the only way you can get used to the criticisms of editors and shit. And then I seen how much you were releasing. I was like, I got to start grinding like Don because mm-hmm. Don's fucking releasing that article because like yeah. a motherfucker and I'm like if he's setting the bar then I know where I have to be at yeah. what my work ethic has to be if I want to thrive in this space and like mm-hmm. I think if people don't have that attitude going in then they're, they're yeah. doomed to fail like because it is so you have a thing. hunger mm, even right. if Don has the experience and he's grinding at a stage that you are not at but you have yeah. a hunger you're like all right if that's the if that's the bar I'll work towards it some people would look at it and go fuck that <laughs> you know yeah. there is you know there's yeah Shrinking violets and they exist too. So, oh, man, when I started writing novels, sure, I look, I follow Ben Galley on Facebook. I see his continuous output when I start following mm-hmm. him. He's like 2,000 words a day, 4,000 words a day. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this guy is, this is the output that you need to be a professional author. Like, in the same mm-hmm. way, I looked at your output and I go, this is what you need to be an actual top mm-hmm. level critic. Yeah. Is you have to, I looked at your output and I looked at Ben's output and I always say, you're the two people that have turned me into an absolute grinder. Every day yeah. I get up, I'll write for four hours, five hours, six hours, mm-hmm. sometimes 10, depending on free time. Yeah. And I think it's so invaluable when you look at people that are in the spaces you want to operate at and you look at the work. Like you're already well entrenched in the space. So is Bengali. Mm-hmm. You're writing for almost what, 10, 15 years, probably when I came yeah. on to 25 well, Ben's yeah. writing for like 10 years. And if you can't understand it, there are people that are still grinding. Yeah, a decade in and you're not willing to do the grind at the start how are you mm-hmm. ever going to get as good as these people and That's you have to look at that you know there's I'm an sorry impatient. to suspect sorry I'm sorry to suspect nope. that he met Don and Ben on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> I would have swiped left for you Vinny I would I would, I would, I would have jumped on that you're a generous lover Don and I appreciate yeah, you I'm, you're damn right <laughs> yeah let's Don. just cut to it let's just cut to it awesome <laughs> hand jobs Don awesome <laughs> true it's true you know, I like that Vinny has small hands. It makes me dick. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. I do. You got tiny yeah. hands. What can I say? Tiny hands. <laughs> smells like cabbage. <laughs> but well, uh, what's the, what's the yeah. next five years look like for you? I I, I actually hate Ooh. that question. But no, at the same okay. time, are you kind of like in a space where for now yeah. you're comfortable to continue? Or is there oh, yeah. something on the horizon for you? Um, That's I, that's one of those questions where I don't want to say I like I have to ask my wife, but um, no, but <laughs> well, I, I have to ask my wife. <laughs> no, like Vinny, Vinny met me three years ago, where I was more of a grinder, where I would do, like now that like life has kind of gotten in the way, and the kid stuff is busier because they're older. Like when they're in diapers, you can sneak away and write because they're just you just rock yeah. a little crib and go. Yeah. Now that it's dad, daddy, what are you doing downstairs? Like for example, it's a Saturday afternoon at one o'clock right now. My kids are upstairs probably playing or wanting to watch a movie, and they're like, "Daddy's on his radio show." You know? <laughs> so um, at some point, my kids are gonna be like, "Well, I th- I hope two things happen in five years. One, I can kind of still find my spaces and times to write and not lose momentum and hunger or yeah. or lose or lose standing, which I don't think I will, but um. But can I still find a way to be efficient with my time and still not and still be present for for family and things upstairs, especially as they get older? Because in five years, I'll have I'll have two teenagers and hopefully by that point, they'll be more they'll be old enough to go 
I hope they, I hope my children see that how fulfilling this is for me. Like this is a creative expression and creative outlet thing for me. It's a fulfillment thing for me. Um, and it's, you know, and as much as it is, I guess, still kind of a hobby where I hope my kids understand that, Hey, that's dad needs that because that's what keeps him, you know, uh, uh, just steady, active, sane, (laughs) um, uh, inspired, you know, and all that. And it's not that I can't get inspired by being married and a dad and a teacher, but this is different and this is fun. And I hope that my kids, I I always tease my oldest, uh, who's uh, my daughter. She's like, she, she just wrote her first movie review for her school paper here in third grade for Encanto. And I tease her like, Hey, someday this will all be yours. You know, and she like, it's the hardware store or something. Right. Yeah. 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 You know? And, um, and she's like, no, I'm not going to do what you do. And I'm like, it's fine that you don't. But hey, I, someday I want you to get why I, why I do it. You yeah. know? Yeah. So I hope they I hope they think their dad is cool and and doing a cool thing, and and that that it's that yeah, it was worth it was worth the nights that he misses dinner. You know, like <laughs> if I go to what a did movie, your daddy do, sweetheart? When yeah. people create art and daddy shits on it. That that is the hard thing is um I I I've had to set some limits where. You know, every time I go to a movie, it's a bedtime I miss. And my kids notice. They're old That's enough true. now to yeah, notice. Yeah, you know, yeah. when they're in diapers and they're little, they don't notice. But now they are. So in five years, um, can I find the right work-life balance? Yeah. Um, and then on the professional side, um, I, I, I need 25 well to survive. Um, <laughs> and they will. I don't think Andrew's going to let that that die. But, um, but um, yeah, just maintain good work. Help more people into it. Um keep expanding the i i i founded and run a second chicago critics group where the ideas are there to expand that and make that a little further or can we start giving like hardware awards and not just cute little twitter certificates and stuff where just keep that going keep all the balls floating i guess in terms of ladder rungs um i yeah five years i don't need any more than what i've got um Rotten Tomatoes, like if you would have told me, because here in America, that's a big deal site where if you getting there is cool enough and good enough. But now that it's like the Critics Choice Association, where that's like trips to L.A., televised rewards, Hollywood, this Hollywood, that like I could go and do all that. And if I didn't live in Chicago and I lived in L.A., yeah. um, but I have no desire to, to jump that far. But to to dabble and get some chances to do more of that. Yeah. Meet some people for a change. That'd be kind of cool, but I'm also not an autograph hound horn dog person that just needs to, you know, suck Will Smith's dick. So, yeah, um, but no, cool. we all know being incredibly glorious, yeah. he is a legend, you know. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I admit, I, I got my first trip to LA this past um, this past November. Uh, Netflix uh, paid for the entire Critics Choice Association to come out to LA for the for their big debut of The Power of the Dog, which will probably end up winning the Oscars here. And 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 they wined and dined us for a whole weekend to uh, to see the film, um, meet Benedict, Jesse, Kirsten, Jane Campion, and the whole crew and do interviews and the whole red carpet kind of treatment of all that. Um, and that same weekend, I just missed the chance to, uh, to do the same thing with uh, Focus Features had Kenneth Branagh in town and, and the whole Belfast team. And then King Richard was in town with all the Will Smith team. And I in four days, I could have seen premieres of all those three movies and met all those people and that i admit i mean i didn't need it and it's okay i missed my kids and i was ready to go home but uh i realized that that would be kind of pretty cool 
and maybe my mom and dad and the kids I grew up with in school would be because the other thing is I'm from a very rural area where I'm a I'm a you know dairy road you know gravel road dairy farm kid, yeah. uh, small town outside the city where the people who I grew up with who see what I do now they're like no <laughs> movie guy yeah. but like uh, not that I need their justification but yeah if all of a sudden the little guy from the little town is hanging out with Kenneth Branagh and Will Smith, that would maybe my mom might notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool. It'd be cool to say I made it that far. Yeah. And we circled back to just wanted your parents' approval. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so Don, like, um, of all the years you've been doing reviews and all the movies that you covered, what movie throughout all the history that you love, that you would have been, uh, that you would have loved to be alive back then, that you would have loved oh, yeah. to have seen it in its first screen and reviewed, what movie? Um, I think it would be more like my all time favorite movie is Casablanca, but I know that that movie kind of came and went in the studio system as just another Warner Brothers thing in the, in the chain of things they did. Like that wasn't like an event yeah. back then. Um, I always hear the stories of people who saw Psycho for the first time because no one knew anything about it. And even if people were smart enough to know the book, they didn't know where Hitchcock was going to take it. And all you hear about from reports of people like who saw like women fainting in the theaters. Like I would love a communal theater experience to see psycho yeah, psycho or jaws. Yeah. That, jaws. that would be because like I've, we've all now been alive long enough to do the star Wars thing. Like I know 1970 star Wars isn't the same, but like when they did the, the re the special editions in the nineties there, yeah, I, the I, we all made it to those. Yeah. The remasters, we all made it to those moments in the theater. So I've had my star Wars moment in the big screen and, but, uh, but yeah, like jaws or jaws or psycho, something that would, that shocked the world. That'd be kind of fun to be around. Yeah. Like premiere in Hollywood wise. <laughs> what would I love to meet? Um, man, I don't know. Um, like a red carpet kind of thing. That'd probably be one of those, uh, like Avengers or something, you know, like how cool of a red carpet would be to where you meet all of those people or you're in the theater with all those stars when Chris Evans catches me on there and it's the, you know, showtime at the end of end game. Like yeah. something like that would be kind of cool, but yeah. I knew it. Oh, I love that. I get you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. pure, yeah. pure fanfare. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But the best kind. And yeah. um, so Don, like you're, you're a reviewer and like there was a lot of movies on the horizon we got like what the Oscar season's coming up soon. Yeah, a um, week from now. Yeah, a week from now. And like so, of all the movies that are on the horizon, and all the movies that like are going to come out this year, uh, even outside of the award circle, is sure. there anything that's caught your eye that you'd like to kind of recommend to us? Give the the fans at home Ooh. a shout out to. Um, this is weird because we're kind of in the we're in that season where it's it's slow. It's not like summer yet, where I know things will business will pick up where it does, but uh. We're fine. It's nice that the pandemic's starting to break. Where some the last ones of those delayed movies are starting mm. to finally get here. Like the Batman got here, and it's good. Yeah. Um, I'm a big uh, as much as he's a dick in public, or I hear he's a dick in real life. Uh, I'm a Tom Cruise kid. That, that was the mm. '80s '90s stud for me. So yeah. I want I want Top Gun Maverick. You know, like, and I I love how what what was the news this week? It's going to debut in Cannes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that seems like a French fancy fuckers movie. That'll uh-uh. that'll be hilarious. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, um, I haven't looked very ahead in the crystal ball of what is coming out this year. Like my calendar has kind of always been circled for Batman and Top Gun. So um, I'm, I stopped watching the Fast and Furious series when Paul Walker <laughs> died just because it seemed like that's when you should have ended it. But yeah. So I'm not, I'm I, know, not I feel like a dick. I was for like, Fast 9, you know, I, I, I chuckled know. at the worst possible time there. 
I was like Fast and Furious always makes me chuckle and then you follow up yeah. like, after Paul Walker died, and I'm like shit that's a reasonable yeah, reason yeah. for watching the franchise uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean but I would never stop watching those franchises <laughs> I need to go I need to get back in and try dude um, they're in space in one of them is all I'm going to say so, that's that's work your way part. towards that one well, see yeah. the thing is I don't know if you're joking or not mm-hmm. <laughs> no I don't they, they got they got pretty stupid yeah so, I mean, doc, you got Doctor Strange coming out. You've got, you know, the big hitters there. You excited for Moon Knight? Yeah. Uh, I, a couple of my critics' friends have seen the first four episodes already. I have not. I'm not I'm not a TV guy, so or I'm not on that TV wavelength of lists and all that, but yeah. I hear it's good, so we'll see. Nice. Um, I guess um, in terms of like a stick of fork in it or a stick of nail in the coffin, when they started to advertise that this new Jurassic World movie is like the last one, Dominion. I'm like, I'm like, good. It deserves to be done. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be ready to see that off. Um, but no, like when you get to the later of the year, like I'm trying to look ahead of your like award season and like what's that like big thing that maybe could be the you know next year's Oscar thing. And I don't know. Yeah, because they keep bumping schedules and stuff. Because you got supposedly Black Panther's gonna be here, Creed three avatar you know what that's the thing i'm looking forward to is like i know everyone likes to, it's a popular thing is to shit on avatar mm. but um everyone who shits on avatar forgets that they were first in line in 2007 like everybody else yeah. see it on the big screen it was a yeah. spectacle and james cameron has never not done something wildly impressive where he's sitting back on whatever he's been doing all this time where avatar 2 I I'm willing to bet we'll blow our minds about something. I don't know what, but he'll has it come too late. Yeah, but December, yeah, this is a late December movie. But no, I mean, has it come too late in terms of how far it is away from its original? Outing? We'll find out. We'll find yeah, out. Yeah, we'll but, find out. That just is yeah. an open end question. And is it going? Yeah. Is it going to be 3D or is it just going to go 4K? I, well, what's the th- like the thing I heard that like he's going like underwater, like but like like legit physically underwater. Uh, so like, like i know we've seen him do the abyss but like what can you do now with what he can do like he'll, he'll do something ballsy crazy wild that'll make us all our eyes pop out of our heads and we'll be like why did we ever doubt him you know so <laughs> that that's the other one avatar 2 and so like dumb before we let you get the fuck out of here um yeah. uh what do you think is going to win Best Picture at the Oscars? And Noel, do you have any opinions on this? Ooh. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not an Oscar. Yeah, is that what he calls somebody who's really into I don't Oscars? Know. <laughs> I don't know what those names are. But and yeah. that's Kara. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I admit um, the Oscars are. I'll say this as the jaded shit on critic. If anything, Sam, uh, uh, I boo. didn't watch the Oscars last year. Uh, <sighs> I was kind of bored by the nominees. I know it was a weird show of like pandemic-y partial this and partial that this year the whole idea of them like shaving out categories and three really disconnected hosts i probably won't watch it this year um will win should win uh will win Ooh, best picture see this that's the one category where you could throw a wild card in there just to throw a wild card in there um i'll say it like this if kenneth branagh and here's how you can see how the night's going or not going if kenneth branagh doesn't win for best original screenplay earlier in the night because you feel like you got to get it's like it's his time to finally win one yeah. and he's nominated for director picture and screenplay where like three nominations get him one yeah if he doesn't win original screenplay i think there's an outside chance belfast surprises power of the dog to win best picture to be like the feel-good pick like maybe it's not the most auteur perfect 
movie yeah. the way that people try to put power of the dog to be but maybe that's the sentimental favorite that just starts to win a few votes so maybe belfast has a shot if ken like that but that's how you can tell how the night's going if kenneth Branagh wins in screenplay and that's the spot you give him an oscar yeah. then power of the dog is going to win best picture but if kenneth Branagh doesn't win original screenplay and they give that to like paul thomas anderson which would be his first time winning in like eight nominations too for a movie that's not even his best movie um then it's just going to go to Power of the Dog, you know? But Belfast yeah. has a shot, I think. I don't know. Well, and so uh, uh, it really kind of depends on what happens earlier on in the awards, you think. Does that kind yeah. of come into people's thinking when they're making out these awards? Like, it's like if we give them this, we shouldn't give them, we should right. give them as this. It's, it, it's weird. Lately, it feels like that. In the last 10, 15 years, they've done a better, like we haven't had like a juggernaut winner in a long time, like a, a movie that's won eight or more Oscars in the same year. Like we've had a lot of these, like the leading winner of each year is like four, four awards, five awards, maybe six, Yeah, you know, or it's, or the movie that wins the most awards is some movie that sweeps arts and technical, but then doesn't win best picture. Yeah. Like that could be, that could be Dune this year. Watch Dune win four or five awards and never get a whiff anything past cinematography. Yeah. So Whereas here comes Power of the Dog as the artsy one that could be like the, if you do the artsy pick, it's Power of the Dog. If you do the sentimental, people's choicey kind of favorite thing, like the way Green Book has won in the past. Now, I don't think Belfast is as dumb as Green Book, but um, yeah. at all, I think Belfast is wonderful uh, and deserves to win. Like if I'm voting, I'm voting for Belfast. But um, but no, I, this I think power of the dog has done enough and it's a woman it's a woman directing it's you know it's been it's generated that look of importance that people like to put on that yeah but you're right i've seen years where they like to spread the wealth like we can't give every award to the same movie let's give like give director to somebody else give screenplay to somebody else but then sometimes it doesn't turn out like way like um when uh like alfonso like birdman yeah like uh he swept everything like he got picture he got screenplay he got director like Such a good movie. sometimes sometimes you get all three like um when parasite won yeah. that was screenplay it, it, he got he got four oscars that night bong Jun ho so like i don't know sometimes it falls in a place where there's a big sweep so we'll see i don't know I, you, I think the power but if i'm putting money down power dog's gonna win do, um, something you mentioned that like uh it's been a while since something's done a big sweep like a titanic yeah. like 11 and like the return yeah. of the king did something like 13 or something crazy we have a lot of movies that get many nominations like dune has what 10 12 yeah. nominations well, it'll but it's not technical. gonna win yeah but it's all yeah but it's not gonna win 10 it's not gonna win half of them yeah and, um, and we've seen some shutouts like american hustle got 10 nominations and one zero the irishman got 10 nominations one zero um there's even a, on a low end, Dune could win like two out of 10. Like it maybe wins score for Zimmer and visual effects and then every, it gets beat everywhere else. Yeah. Could, yeah. I don't know. And do, do you think uh, because we're not, we're not seeing like one movie sweep the board is because there's actually a wider variety of movies in terms of the high level content than we had 20 years ago? Or do you think yeah. it's the exact opposite that mo- there's no one standout anymore that movies have kind of plateaued, they plateaued a little bit? I think it's the latter. You get all these little niche things that are good at one, good at certain things but not good at everything and then the other piece like when we're talking about those movies that have won 10 or more the titanics the um lord of the rings now you have these audience favorites where everybody loves it for everything yeah and that's not spider-man this year like spider-man is loved but there's nothing about spider-man in arts and technical that would make it on the board 
the way we, we the way with everything else. So I think it's the latter. We haven't had, and look at it like when, especially when you think about, well, James Cameron again, like Avatar and Titanic. Like yeah. we haven't had a big sweeping monster thing in a long time that is everything that is prestige and popularity at the same time. Lord of the Rings was the last one. And Lord of the Rings, a lot of people say, actually got rewarded for the full trilogy more so than the third installment. Totally, totally. Yeah, because the first two were probably better movies than neither of them. Oh, got I think awards. so. Yeah. yeah. But um, that was the spot to finally, like, hey, after three movies, look at what you've done. It's the end of their story, really, as well. They yeah. can say, now it's a complete movie in air quotes because yeah. you completed your story, your trilogy, because the way the Lord of the Rings in particular was set up, the Fellowship of the Ring was a complete cliffhanger, as was Two Towers. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it only really came to any kind of resolution in Return of the King. So you can kind of understand that yeah. kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, that kind of rationale behind so, why, why do they... You, what do you think? Do you think it's the latter or the former when you were describing it? Um, I, I think at the moment there's a, 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 there's no iconic movies being made anymore, really, outside of the big ticket events like the Batman mm-hmm. and Spider-Man. And they're iconic, not just because of quality, but because of the nostalgia, because yeah. of their mass appeal, because of all the things they have going for them, the reason why they keep getting rehashed. Like Spider-Man, we're going to see it every few years because the billion dollar, it's a billion-dollar franchise, same right. with Batman. Like the Batman itself is going to probably take north of a billion dollars in the cinemas, of course, Seems, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah easily. Like, yeah. yeah, so. So like I just think that all the big ticket items are actually the ones that really stand out and like you don't have a Titanic standing out anymore. Something that can actually yeah. garner that award kind of praise and the movies now that are really standing out, the awards kind of snub their nose at them a lot of the way, a lot of the times. So I yeah. think the, the really high level arts films aren't really getting the same interest they used to have and a lot of them are finding their ways on streaming services and not in theaters so mm-hmm. even though award seasons are actually giving them four or five awards or whatever like that did not really reach in the same global effect that they used to like a lord right. of the rings you don't really have like anything that's going to sweep because there's nothing out there like that people are going to go see in the same way that they used to and because people now ingest their content in a completely different fashion that you don't really have these juggernauts in the same way like you, yeah. you, you oftentimes don't have an award juggernaut that's also a box office juggernaut anymore right it's very right. rare and then you throw the pandemic in where we can barely go to movies and yeah how much how much is the public going to see so yeah. I think we'll get back to there. The right movie will come around someday. And maybe these are what we say they are. They're generational movies. And when you think about it, um, we had Titanic, Harry Potter, and Lord of the Rings, and a bunch of Star Wars prequels all within 10 years. Yeah. And that was like the one big window. Now we have this window of Marvel where some of them break into, like Black Panther breaks into some Oscar stuff. but And then maybe more will. But yeah, it's if and then the generation before that would be something like Jurassic Park in '93. So, but that wasn't an that got nominated for nothing but arts and technical too. So, something will come, something will come. We'll get bored enough or we'll get creatively bankrupt enough that somebody will shake it up. But for now, it's silos and niches. You're right. Yeah, and I think because a lot of these big ticket items are wandering onto streaming service and long form storytelling as well. Yeah, like, like uh, with 10 years ago, The Witcher, that would have been a film series not totally. a TV series, you know what I mean? Yeah. The new Lord of the Rings that's going on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the way awards are going, once upon a time, it was a real shutout. They're like, Netflix, you're not really welcome. And they're like, yeah. oh shit, Netflix are one of the only people making good stuff. <laughs> like, who are we yeah. going to give awards to? There was something that was considered cheap about a film for a streaming service. It was considered yeah, right. cheap. Right. Even if it wasn't now, cheap. 
But yeah. it was considered tacky might be a better word. It was like D- DTV, direct to video. That's what yeah, or the straight to disc stuff from when yeah. we were younger, you know. Oh, yeah. But now, um, and that might be the five years thing that changes everything is if, if theaters can't recover um, and TV keeps being at least popular, I don't know how profitable it is. Because I, I, and here Spider-Man probably proves that like the theatrical dollar or euro at the same time, like that's still where the most money can be made is when you get everyone paying their 10, 12 bucks to go to a movie. Yeah, not you know? in Russia though. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> but, um, but like, that's the place where the most money can be made, where there will, the theaters won't die because there's too much money to be made. Yeah. Uh, but TV might be the creative place you get more stuff. And I think we're seeing that now, like the volume of really good television is right now surpassing movies Ten, five to one yeah and because people yeah. are obsessed with that long-form storytelling now aren't we though like because we yeah. got so used and rightfully to, so yeah and now anytime you look at a two-hour movie and you go that would be a great six episode miniseries yeah yeah i think it's a we're spoiled for choice a little bit mm-hmm. you know that kind of way and like I, I think now what you'll see with the award seasons like and all this one they're going to look now more and more to streaming services mm-hmm. to find the actual picks for these categories and like yeah. you might actually see like, I think Jared Leto came out and recently said Marvel are the reason theaters are still alive. I, He's you know, right. You know, and I, that's why yeah. I, I have to laugh because because they make money. Yeah, and yeah. Martin Scorsese yeah. and all these people that derive oh. Marvel, the only reason they actually have a big screen to go show their movies on is because the MCU mm-hmm. exists. And yeah. I just think it's hilarious that the the way the industry now has to evolve because of the two things that they malign the most superhero movies and streaming services are the actually only two things that are propping up the industry right now and i think it's absolutely fucking hilarious because like when power of the dog wins best picture it amelia will explode yeah (laughs) i I looked up like now who knows how many people have seen it on Netflix, but like it's box office number. I just looked it up. It's $388,000 mm. has not even made a million. Yeah. Not even half of a million Belfast on the other hand had some theatrical time and has made $40 million. It's a nice modest mm. and movie probably didn't cost that much to make, but when the power of the dog wins, we're going to be talking about a sub $1 million earning movie winning best picture when was the last time that happened <laughs> yeah the 50s probably it, well i mean accounting for inflation you would say never yeah probably just simply you would simply say yeah. never never mm. you know because That's if you go back far enough movie. you're talking yeah. like you know the, uh, the film made twelve thousand dollars by yeah. 40 standards or something yeah uh-huh. so i would say i would go as far as to say never actually winning the right. oscar never yeah. wow that's amazing and people yeah, will, yeah. And, and it's and not it, all bad news. It, mm. it, we're only talking about what the world looks like now. That film yeah. will make money. That's all that matters is the the, the, the money, the, the numbers at the end of the day. But yeah, it's yeah. funny. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's just making Netflix, money in a different way, isn't it? Yeah, and yes. Netflix can laugh all the way to the bank because they get your they get your money every time you re-up every month. Like yeah. if they have 220 subscribers, 20 or 20 million subscribers at mm. 14 bucks a month times 12 months that's like 40 billion dollars a year yeah, it's ridiculous. they're doing fine <laughs> yeah. Where, whereas marvel swung its shot and yeah even if spider-man makes 2 billion just on its own mm. netflix just made 40 with everything they do that's why disney so, plus exists exactly yeah. They, yeah. that's the that's the you that's the regular never stopping money versus yeah. you only get money if people show up yeah, people exactly. show up automatically with the stream. Because like the end of the day, box office is like your birthday money. 
you get yeah, once a year. Once you know what I mean? Or is your streaming service? That's your fucking wages. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a big difference. Like it's a huge difference. But uh, yeah. so that, God, that'll be a five year thing. That'll be whoa. Where are we in five? What's so, that all? So like? you think in five years that the landscape of the industry will look completely different than it does now? I think so. I think I think the pandemic beat us up enough where the only things that are big ticket, like we're saying in theaters, are are Batman, are big screen movies. We may never see a movie like the power of the dog or a little indie or a small drama or romantic comedy, those things will be on your screen and not on a big one. I yeah. think it'll big stuff only. It'll be a carnival. Yeah. Cause like back in the nineties, like the backbone of cinema was oh, yeah. the high level dramas, uh-huh. the thrillers, Every, the usual those, stuff. Yeah. And yeah. like all the stuff that we watched, like the, the kind mm-hmm. of movies that you'd watch 10 times and never get bored of. Yeah, like, you know I what I mean? Those. I, I know all I those. miss the nineties. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, yeah. all of that shit now is complete. Like the power of the dog, ten years ago. That's a front and center ten pole drama going totally. to get the Oscar rollout. Everything like yeah. that would have been front and center. Like you know, it mm-hmm. just shows that the uh, the really kind of the artsy, the kind of really niche content is going to slip into streaming services because streaming services in their nature are catered to their subscribers and they're Agreed. always looking at ways that they can uh, uh, hook new subscribers yeah. and that's why they create all these little niches within their actual yeah. own services and it's genius like it's genius yeah and because the steady money is there they don't have like they're not going to lose a lot of money when something fails like mm. like the irishman they took a big shot on i think the irishman cost 155 million dollars to make Ouch. and they and they tried to do some box office time with that and it made like 8 million dollars in the box office so technically it, they got a big haircut at netflix when you can get the same thing 12 dollars out of every person in the world every, all year long they can swallow those losses and take swing big swings gobble up this gobble up that buy off this movie, touched buy off on that this movie. yeah we touched on mm-hmm. this yeah there's weathering the storm Yes. There's companies who are big enough to weather the storm. Yeah. And there's companies who this would be their bread and butter and they, it's the sink or swim on it. Yeah. But like Amazon Prime or whatever, they, they could they could weather a storm if yeah. they need to. Yeah. I'll, I think we're watching this transition. Look at Paramount. Um, Paramount, which their bread and butter were those 90s movies like Kiss the Girls, Star Trek, you know, mm. uh, the Mission Impossible. Paramount, what they're doing on Paramount Plus is outdoing what like I haven't seen a Paramount movie movie in months. Like their film production numbers are just down where I think they've resigned to the fact that I think they like we're losing too much in the big screen where we're going to have to resort to the little screen and make it work. Like, because these transformers movies and mission impossible movies are just, they take a long time to get around. And whereas Disney now is they're crazy. They have both like they're, they're nailing it on the big screen and now the small screen is massive. So they're somebody Yeah, in five years, it'll, it'd be crazy to see where the, the concentration is yeah so, so Dom, before i let you get out here yeah. um do you want to tell the folks where they can find you on social media and um sure we'll skedaddle yeah uh, no um you can search uh every movie has a lesson uh you can search that and you'll find my facebook stuff you'll find my twitter stuff uh obviously do the big outlet here of 25yl uh 25 years later site.com for the more formal reviews i do um you can find me on letterbox rotten tomatoes critics choice all that and of course i would be remiss if i don't mention that that turd of a man will johnson and the <laughs> history fit podcast that we host together through 25 well and the ruminations radio network 
Awesome. Thanks so much for coming down. It's fucking thanks awesome. Thanks for having me. I was about to say thanks for having us. <laughs> That's yeah. why you don't do I went through I went through the McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, I went through the McDonald's drive through and I they, she said thanks and joy and I said thanks you too. Oh man, I said that one time. It's like I, I I was like someone said to me, Oh, I have a nice birthday. And I was like, Yeah, thanks you too. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough yeah, pill to yeah, swallow. That's, really that's gonna be yeah. that's gonna fester for about a week. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Anyway, let's get the fuck out of here, right, guys. I'm your host, Vincent Green. I'm your host, Old John Tui. And that was MDK presents Don Chanhan. Dan Don, thank you so much for coming and appreciate you, motherfucker. See you next time, yeah. folks. Thanks, Dan. Peace. <laughs> thanks, Dan. <laughs> Peace. Peace.